guys, welcome to Rankin Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going pretty good. It, it's just a shame this is our last ever episode. <laughs> why is, why is that? we're recording on April 20th and we forgot to do a weed movie. <sighs> Honestly, I'm I'm disappointed with myself more than anything. I, I feel like we, we need to be professionals. We run a goddamn professional podcast. We need to do a weed episode on National Weed Day. So, you know, it was a good run, but maybe <laughs> there's some openings on some Dune podcasts we can start recording <laughs> Say, I know a really good one if you want to. No, honestly, I think when I think of stoner horror, what I immediately think of, have you ever seen uh, Evil Bong? I have not. Um, that is the latter um, full moon features, and I've not gone into those so you don't uh, you don't don't fucks with uh, latter day full moon releases i don't fuck with ginger dead man i don't fuck with evil bong (laughs) and pretty much those are the only two in weird like whatever the mathematical permutations of how often you can have combinations of the two (laughs) yeah honestly evil bong the thing is i've i've seen evil bong uh twice Uh, once when i was um i was really i was really young like i think it had just come out and i'd seen it at the video store um, the thing that makes me mad about the movie Evil Bong is that it's about a bong that when you smoke it, like, it's not about a bong that gains sentience and murders you. Like, it's not, like, nobody's, like, you know, a, a PA is not throwing the evil bong from off camera to make it look like it's attacking someone. What it is is that when you smoke uh, from Evil Bong, it transports you to a sort of Lynchian, like, Black Lodge situation where... You're at a strip club full of strippers who will murder you in stripper methods. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, I just wanted a movie called Evil Bong to be about a bong that kills people. Yeah, make a make a movie where a bong kills you, you cowards. Yeah, honestly. And then Ginger Dead Man, also Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong, the cover of it is so much better than the actual movie because it's just like the Ginger Dead Man riding the Evil Bong like a like a a horseman of the apocalypse, and the tagline is "and hell rode with them." <coughs> oh and man, it's yeah, it's outstanding. So what uh, what ghoul shit have you been consuming this week? So I had um, a little bit of extra change, so I picked up um, Night Trap for the Nintendo Switch. Ryan, Ooh. have you ever played Night Trap? I don't know from Night Trap. What is this? It was originally a Sega CD release, and oh, it was wow. one of the first movies that was... A, so it's a lot like Dragon's Lair, in that it's a movie, and you hit the buttons at the right time, and it plays the correct clips. Oh, man. Sega CD in particular was great for those. Yeah, and, and also infuriating, because every time... I've never had a... I've never owned a Sega CD, but I've emulated several games, and most of them leave me in rage tears on the couch because you just the the controls are so clunky mm-hmm. and you have to time it exactly right or just everything fucks up and you die. So yeah. anyway, the premise of Night Trap is that there is a house, like a like a vineyard mansion that these teens are staying in over the weekend and the owners of the mansion are are doing some sort of nefarious ghoul shit that's not clearly defined mm-hmm. and there is a secret society of guys in and ma- like gimp suits and baggy um baggy janitor onesies mm-hmm. that's not a janitor it's it, what is the word for it it's not janitor onesie <laughs> <laughs> uh, a boiler suit or like a a, a onesie? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like... Jumpsuit. Like, a jumpsuit. Um, there we go. Yeah, a jumpsuit. <laughs> so they're, they're goons in jumpsuits. Uh-huh. And a very 1990 uh, Strike Force team is coming in to, I guess, foil this plot. But Naturally. your job is to, hence the name Night Trap, trap the goons so the Strike Force team can do what they want. Uh, so it's a game where these actual filmed footage of actors are talking to you on the screen and saying, Hey rookie, make sure to hit the button to, you know, scoop that goon up in the (laughs) Murphy bed trap so that we don't get killed. Um, 
but you also have to watch the scenes over the CCTV because the actors say key uh, clues that tell you how to change the code to make sure the traps are always working. And you can also accidentally trap the teens who don't know what's going on and you lose if you murder all of the innocent teenagers. Fuck. Honestly, this um, having a guy on screen with like, it's sort of, does it look heavily pixelated? Like... It's an internet video from, like, 1997. It's actually the best... uh, It's the best port of this game I've ever seen because it's, like, crystal clear video quality. Oh, wow. And this is a movie shot on, like, 35 millimeter, and they took the time (laughs) to, like, scan it. Now, here's what really sucks, Mm -hmm. is it is hard to shit to play. Oh, sure. And allegedly... Well, no, the game says if you beat the game, you can watch all of the clips in order, like a movie. And you can watch the alternative scenes. And you can watch, like, the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never get to see that because I cannot win this game. It no, is very no. hard to do. Well, and honestly, Because like- you have to time, you know, just when the goon steps on... Literally, the house is filled with trapdoor traps. And you have to hit the button at the exact right moment and have the key typed in the exact right way to trap the goons. And if too many goons get in the house, the leader yells at you and says, we're breaking contact and the game turns off. <laughs> Wait, it turns the whole thing off. It, it gives you the game over screen and takes you back to the title screen, but he literally holds up a plug and like unplugs. And then the screen goes black for a second. Wow. That's intense. Honestly, like Sega CD, when I was a kid, I for me that was always the thing that like oh the really fa- that's the really fancy one like only the rich kids can play like a Sega CD game like I'm 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 over here you know uh, sort of toiling away on my Sega Genesis like a fucking schmuck while you know down the street some rich kid is using Sega CD and this is apparently With what they CD were doing quality sound it it actually had video games where. It's one of the first systems where you had like recorded dialogue because mm-hmm. they could do that and it wouldn't sound all wonky. That's yeah, that's incredible. Honestly, there was this uh, video that was making the rounds a while ago of Alex Jones doing a promo in front of a burning garbage can where he's like, uh, sort of like, well, if you can stop being a sheep, you can join the Infowars, and like they did it in the style of a Sega CD game with like MIDI heavy metal in the background, and yeah. Uh, I have been reading uh, Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. Um, it, god damn, it is, it is, it is a treat is what it is. Um, it's uh, a novel about where it's sort of, uh, I feel like the, the, the Netflix Haunting of Hill House drew heavily on this, um, where it's sort of, there was a, a, a possession story and like a haunted house sort of thing, and it's sort of like, um, the sister of the girl who gets possessed, like sort of looking back on the thing and talking to a writer about it. And, you know, you're sort of getting, I, I feel like it does a really, really good job of approximating the horror of childhood specifically where like as a kid, you have like no agency and you can't really control what is happening to you in your life. Like you don't really get to change any of that. And you're kind of at the mercy of whatever comes down the pipe. Um, Paul Tremblay, I got to tell you, um, I stopped reading the uh, the off season by Jack Ketchum because it was starting to bore me, and I, <laughs> and this is this is a thing that I'm trying to cultivate uh, in my old age is the ability to like stop doing things that bore me and just find another thing so that I can do a thing I enjoy. Yeah, I wish I I learned that because I'm currently slogging through several seasons of anime because I keep saying basically Dragon Ball Z trained me as a kid that. Maybe it'll get better if I keep watching. Listen, it man, never if gets you just, better, Ryan. If you just keep watching it, it in, in four seasons, it gets great. You just gotta wade through so much garbage. Honestly, like if I know anything, it's if I watch Tenchi Muyo long enough, it will get good. <laughs> okay, Tenchi Muyo is legit though. Although here's the thing: the last time I saw Tenchi Muyo, I was like twelve. Um, so, so was, good news. Yeah. I've been watching Outlaw Star, and it still owns. Oh hell yeah! Honestly, like I that's that's the real that's the really good uh, shit is when a th- like an anime that you loved as a kid like um, Cowboy Bebop and uh, God what was the other one yeah Neon Genesis Evangelion like yeah. those are yeah those are the ones you actually go back and watch and you're like no these 
were actually as good as I thought they were at the time. Yeah, they're very good. Akira, very oh, good man. Akira, like, I, yeah, yeah. Although, honestly, like, as a stay tuned, I, I know that we're going to watch Ninja Scroll for the podcast yeah. because there's enough of it that's definitely some horror shit. I'm so excited to watch to rewatch it because I used to have a Ninja Scroll t-shirt that I bought at uh, ASEN uh, in Chicago, Illinois when I was like 15. And I used to love, I like, I've loved Ninja Scroll so much. I used to have it on VHS and would just watch it over and over again. And it's one of those movies that I'm realizing so much of the plot I do not remember because so much of it involves like the Tokugawa Shogunate and retainers of the Tokugawa Shogunate and trade deals and sort of like power struggles and stuff. And I'm like, look, I just want the guy whose thing is that he's a, his back is full of bees. Like he's just a wasp's nest with holes in his back. I can deeply relate because I'm reading um, the, I'm trying to read Usagi Yojimbo from start to finish as one of my quarantine things Mm -hmm. because, you know, rabbit samurai are really cool. Yeah. And the amount of this talking rabbit and dog comic that is feudal Japanese politics is uh, astounding. Yeah, mostly, like, you. what it is is that you feel fancy for knowing the phrase the Tokugawa Shogunate, and that's, like, all you got, though. Like, I don't know any, like, so much of the context of feudal Japanese politics, I'm, it's, I'm, I got nothing. Um, so if I've learned anything from Lone Wolf and Cub, mm-hmm. uh, Usagi Yojimbo, and um, the handful of other manga and anime I've read, basically every lord in the feudal system mm-hmm. just wanted to kill every other lord and take their stuff. Oh, for sure. It was That part is pretty simple. You know what it is? In order for me to care about a feudal Japanese political situation, it has to follow a ronin. Like, it has to be some, like, down-and-out ex-samurai. What it is is that it needs to be a Western. Let's, like, that's that's yeah. what that's that's what's up. Like, as long as I can picture, like, a slide guitar playing in the background while they're going from town to town, that's, that's mainly the thing that I care about. Have you ever read PT? Uh, have you ever read Paul Tremblay's young adult book? No, I've actually. This is my first Paul Tremblay, which is shameful. I'm a fucking horror editor, and I had never read Paul Tremblay yet. And I realized, like, wait a minute, what am I doing so, with my time and with my life? I need to fucking read it already. Paul Tremblay co- uh, collaborated with Stephen Graham Jones, and they made up the pen name PT Jones and wrote a young adult book called Floating Boy and the Girl Who Couldn't Fly. And it is very good. That's a fucking great title. Yeah. Man, he's 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 full of those, is Paul Tremblay. Um, so let's get into the, uh, holy shit, the movie uh, we're doing uh, for this week. Um, oh, I'm so pumped for this. Yeah, so there is a movie uh, from 1994. Um, it's available on Shudder right now. And it is called Tammy and the T-Rex. Now, now the- this is a movie all of you have probably heard about, even if you haven't seen it. Yeah, you've heard about Tammy and the T-Rex, and it's so it's um this movie was literally made because the director had access to a mechanical giant T-Rex. A man approached the director and said, "You know, I got this," and he's like, "We can build a movie around that." And he's like, "Oh shit, let's yeah." They they literally were just, "We've got this giant prop. Let's make a movie around it." And so so much of the script was written on the spot, like, and it. The thing is that this was this is one of the most bonkers movies I've seen that like you can tell they were laying that track while the train was in motion. <laughs> like they were Now, uh, the title card of the movie, by the way, says Tanny and Tanny with two ends, Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. Which is accurate. Now, we also need to point out that this is a vehicle for Denise Richards. It actually launches her career. Boy howdy. Um, and uh, rest in peace, Paul Walker is the teenage T-Rex. He is. Um, Denise Richards is a baby in this movie. Like, she is so young. Like, she's like got to be, like, what, 19, 20? And, and yet she is every bit. It's like she sprung out like Venus, fully formed. Yeah, fully formed from the shell. every hallmark of a Denise Richards movie, um, very cardboard delivery of lines... Uh, sultry pouting at the camera 
sensuous dancing. It's all in this movie. Yes, hair now, work, lots of hair work. Oh, so much hair work. Now, th- Acting with every strand of hair in her head. I mean, she's... Listen, if I had that head of hair, it would be the main star and I would also be there. Now, the incredible thing about Denise Richards' delivery, in this movie specifically, she missed her calling as a scream queen, I think. Because now, when she's acting, obviously it's, you know, flat as a board. When she is screaming... It is incredible. Like, she screams like somebody has just plucked a baby from her arms and thrown it into the street to get hit by a car. Okay. Counterpoint, though. She Mm -hmm. was... She is... I would argue Denise Richards is best known for Starship Troopers, or at least in my household. Oh, for sure. All I could think was, oh, it's it's Ibanez from Starship Troopers. Like, I, I know she was in... I think what Wild Things with Nev Campbell. She, Wild Things is her, um, is her main acting credit. Yeah, like she. I don't know what ha- what I think it is is that she was extremely '90s as a person, where everyone was like, "Wow, you're really pretty," and then it's that's kind of that's kind of it. Like she's not like she's now. All right, so let's 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 get into the let's get into the movie. This is all right. So I think first of all. From the jump, this is one of those movies that takes place, I think, in a very specific uh, milieu, which is early to mid-ish 90s, like 1994, and this is on the later end of the spectrum, of movies that took place basically in the San Fernando Valley. Yes. Um, And it just drips with early 90s California. Like, this is in a conversation with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and My Boyfriend's Back. Um, I think... Yeah, it, like it's it's a very certain time and place where everybody is dressing like they are either on the way to the mall or coming back from the mall. And also, scary stuff is just around the corner. Um, okay, so I can't even remember what Paul Walker's character's name is. It does not it matter. Doesn't matter what he you it's know who buddy he is or some shit like that. Yeah, so he's like he's Buddy. Basically, Buddy is in love with. Um, Denise Richards and Denise Richards has an angry juvenile delinquent ex. Now this and guy, like her ex, is basically he's not a he's not an, a convict yet, but he wants to be. He like this guy has like a a, a Tiger Beat style poster of Mickey and Mallory from Natural Born Killers up in his locker. Yeah, yeah, he's uh he's terrible. And also, I believe he is named Weasel. No, no, actually, he's not Weasel. His his friend who played Roach in The People Under the Stairs, I think that guy's name is Weasel. Oh, okay. The names are really um, I, They play it fast. There's, there's, a, there's a mechanical T-Rex in this movie. That's the main thing. Now, the thing is, yeah. so there there's a, a fight scene at the top of this movie. Now, they're all like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a high schooler, and I'm like 35. And he... So, uh, Buddy... Um, his name isn't Buddy, but he's Buddy. Uh, is sort of hanging out with Denise Richards at school and being his, like, his credited name is Michael. Michael, sure, yeah, okay. So, so Buddy is there with Denise Richards, and he's like, "Hey, I'm a guy." He is wearing, by the way, in this scene, a crop top jersey that is fucking outstanding. It reminds me of that TikTok of that mom who keeps screaming at her son for wearing crop tops <laughs> around the house. <laughs> Yeah, you look I, ridiculous. Which honestly, um, if I see a guy in a crop top jersey, I respect that shit immediately. Like, you're going for it. You f- you don't fear anyone. But so he's hanging out in his crop top jersey in front of the school, and then convict boy f- uh, rolls up with his with his little like it's not even a mullet. It's like a mullet. Like it's like a a soft little almost mullet, and he also he's like, hey bro, why are you talking to my girlfriend? Why, hey, bro. Hey, why are you coming on my block? And he... Now, what commences is one of the wildest fight scenes I have ever seen. Um, so they're they're tussling around, sort of doing uh, uh, laddish roughhousing, while Denise Richards is screaming at the top of her lungs. Like, she sounds like um, Tom Atkins at the end of Halloween 3, where he's like, stop it! Stop it! Um, while they're, like, tussling. And then uh, Convict gets Buddy on the ground and starts, like, standing up and doing elbow drops on him over and over again. Um, and then the, the true power move of the thing, uh, the Convict uh, boyfriend grabs Buddy by the balls. And he's like, ha-ha, I've got your balls in my hand and there's nothing weird about this. 
and then Buddy grabs him by the balls, they are locked in a day in a day taunt. Um, just wrenching as hard as they can on each other's scrotums. <laughs> they are both giving each other the, a fine, the, a fine. How do you do? The pathos in their faces. This is probably <laughs> Paul Walker's best acting in a career cut tragically short. Yeah, it's incredible. Like they're yeah, the the, the fucking the the emotion on both of their faces while they just you know this one. It's one of the classic conflicts: is man versus man, and. They're both just gripping each other by the balls. Finally, these cops, who, like, are throughout this movie, like, they're sort of, like, bumbling cops. Now, like, the cops are named uh, Norval and Neville, which is pretty good. <laughs> they paired those two guys up based on the name alone. Like, And uh, Norval and ne- Neville, uh, which, Norval is George Buckflower. He's, like... <laughs> famous character actor yeah uh, he's which is a, a which is an outstanding character actor name yeah uh so buck flower and ken carpenter are these two sheriff deputies who throughout the movie say some wild ass things that we'll come back to in a moment but, and yeah. one says to the other what we have here is a classic uh, bout of testicular torsion is that what he says yeah, yeah. Something about test. Yeah, something about torsion. While these two thirty-year-old high school students are both standing there with their hands locked on each other's balls, and then finally, so Just screaming to the moon, screaming to the moon. And Denise Richards, honestly, it's like a David Lynch movie because everybody is just screaming. The cameras like tight close-ups on their faces, like ah. And then so finally, uh, it's Neville- basically that scene from Blue Velvet. Where uh, Isabella <laughs> Rossellini walks into the house completely naked, and everyone is just crying. Yeah, uh, but with balls. But with yeah, but but with balls. And so uh, Neville and Norville each grab one of the lads, and they're trying to wrench them off of each other. But no dice. They they are both. It, this is to the death. This is fucking strong style. <laughs> like they are both trying to end the life of the other one. They're locked fin- in place. <laughs> yeah, and then finally they they're able to pry them off. Um, convict Boyf is, is, uh, cupping his balls and sort of making, like, oh, my balls face. And, um, Buddy is just sort of, he's, he's no-selling it. He's like, haha, I'm fine. One of the cops is like, what, kid, you don't have any balls? Which, like, first of all, maybe don't talk to a child, ostent- like, about his ball situation. I mean, I'll let it slide because... These actors are visibly in their 30s, but yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. Like, this guy can... Th- this kid can legally rent a car. But the guy's like, Haha, I'm a jock, and I was wearing a cup the whole time. And when Convict Boy realizes that he had... He was using a foreign object in what was supposed to be the manly art of ball torture, he's he starts screaming, like, You're dead, man! You're dead! And he's getting, like, dragged away from him. So... Obviously, you know, Denise Richards is uh, sort of, like, trying to make time with Buddy, but is plagued by her terrible ex. And then we are transported to a nondescript warehouse where a robot T-Rex. Oh. Which is basically, like, so, when I grew up, there was a museum in Memphis called the Pink Palace, and it's, like, just, you know, a museum with a bunch of weird stuff, and also rotating exhibits and they frequently had animatronic dinosaurs did you have animatronic dinosaurs at museums when you were a kid oh definitely like that's the thing that i love about tennessee specifically is like there'll be these places that'll sort of be there for years and years and it's like the museum of whatever right and it's always just whatever weird fucking curios and above average economically uh, privileged person was able to put throw together from the weird shit they had in their garage. And it's like, yeah, this is my museum. Here's a bar of soap used by Jesus Christ and a also a shrunken head that I purchased on vacation. And yeah. here is my giant taxidermy collection. <laughs> Yeah, and it's always just this, like, curiosity cabinet thing, and it's like, cool, sure, I'll pay five bucks to go look at your weird taxidermy. Um, now, and honestly, what, what's what's amazing, though, is that the cut that they make to this warehouse with the mechanical dinosaur, before that, we are introduced to a character who is one of the main characters of the thing. His name is Byron. I love and, Byron so fucking much. Oh, Byron rules. He's uh, a gay black dude who is introduced as like, "Hello, it's me, your 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 gay best friend, and I'm Denise Richards' friend, and I'm wearing like 
sort of living color style like just he looks like a, a, an extra from living color and yeah, just the most la- the most garish clothes a young african-american man in the 90s could wear yeah it's incredible but the thing is I'm, i don't i don't know if the actor himself is gay but the performance is like the director was like hello son i am uh doing this movie about the mechanical t-rex can you do your most over-the-top impersonation of a gay person for this role? Um, hey, and also, can you fucking carry the movie with it? <laughs> Dude, his back, ha- like, his spine has to be bowed from carrying this movie on his back. <laughs> he does so much and heavy what's tragic is, I don't think he's got many other, I'm, I'm trying to, look up is it theo forset is his name mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure this is like his only major acting credit which is which a, is goddamn a tragedy. tragedy yeah that's that's not okay this kid this guy is his work rate okay okay in this movie. he has made some cameos in network tv so that's good well good for him um he now and so he is sort of on the sidelines you know they're grabbing each other by the balls and he's like ah they're grabbing each other by the balls i too have cuffed a man's balls recreationally and so as they're getting separated, he um, he's like consoling Denise Richards, who just watched her two main love interests uh, engaged in cock and ball torture together. And she's like, ah, geez, I hope this works out OK. And um, Byron turns to her and says, true love never fails, honey. And then right after that, it cuts it hard cut to a T-Rex from just- true love never fails. Just a fucking, like, museum-quality T-Rex. <laughs> Not even a film-quality. Like, the kind of thing that you see in the woods in Kentucky from the <laughs> interstate. Hello, it's me, and I've got a creationist museum in Paducah, and I've got this animatronic T-Rex that a wax statue of Jesus has saddled and ridden. <laughs> it is. Would you like to put it in your movie? Also, what's wild is this: this mad scientist has created this robot because he oh, wants boy. to put human brains in robots to live forever. But why, of all of the things, is the is the beta test um, a fucking T Rex? Because he talks about next we'll do humans and dogs well now what's incredible all right so the scientist who is kind of one of the antagonists of the movie tammy and the t-rex uh he's played by terry kaiser who you will recognize as or who i recognized as two things one uh the titular bernie from weekend at bernie's so (laughs) he has that on his fucking cv and then also he plays the uh the corrupt uh the corrupt doctor from uh friday the 13th part 7 the new blood where he's like trying to manipulate this psychic teen for his own career goals because he wants to write a, a book on it. His name um, is also Doctor Wackenstein. Wackenstein. Wa- the most German, and he plays it as the most like absurdly German. Yeah, Doctor. He's Doctor Heinrich Sprockets. Like he's going as German as he possibly can for this role. His accent slips a few times in this role, as I think it should for the movie Tammy and the T Rex. He also multiple times throughout the movie speaks directly to the camera. Oh, because Terry Kaiser knows what movie he's fucking in, and. He He's, you know, it's perfect. So his his thing is that he's doing uh, unethical science with his two assistants, one of whom is a tiny man who played um, the creepy kid from Children of the Corn, Isaac. Um, That's who that motherfucker is. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got... God, I feel like he and Zelda Rubenstein, I'm furious that those two were never in a movie as uh, sort of mummers performing chicanery in Edwardian England and making people believe that the seance was real. Like they both have a sort of supernatural creepy quality about them that would make them perfect foils for each other. Um, and then the other assistant is a very tall lady who's basically the China to Dr. Wachenstein's triple H where she's like, she's the muscle of the outfit. Yes. Like she's, she's knocking out dudes She's grabbing things like she's she's making all the moves happen. And so um, Dr. Wachenstein, um, he's there with his mechanical T-Rex and he's like, look at this fucking mechanical T-Rex, which basically is he is he basically a stand in for the director? Like, is he Stuart Raffle where he's just like, check out this fucking huge T-Rex we got. 
and he's and the T-Rex is sort of like moving around and be, and doing mechanical stuff. And then for some reason the doctor is like I feel like we're on the verge of a breakthrough here with this mechanical T-Rex we have. <laughs> um which sets up some foreshadowing. But what's wild is they're like if only we had a human brain to power this giant killing machine. <laughs> right, which is where I go, you know, if which I have Which has Okay, so once, skip forward a little bit, the T-Rex stomps and bites the shit out of people. Doesn't eat them because it's not, it's clearly a robot. And in right. the movie, they talk about this is a robot. But they outfitted it with real life sharp teeth. But a T-Rex's teeth are the size of bananas. Yeah. And I know that because I have a six-year-old and we watch a lot of Dino Dana. <laughs> but they're banana size. So you have banana sized knives in this robot why did no one see this as a bad idea yeah maybe it's they were like look i need uh some amount of realism the thing is this animatronic t-rex they got for the movie it's pretty good it's It's a a good very good t-rex it's It's better than the t-rex in carnosaur it's better than the t-rex in carnosaur more than that it's a better actor than paul walker (laughs) (laughs) like this t-rex it emotes Oh, it, it, god damn, there's, this is a soulful fucking T-Rex. It's got, like, movable mouth flaps. It's got, like, a functioning eye situation going. Like, they... it has a, it has more range of facial acting and emotion than, uh, any of its acting counterparts. It, god, yeah, no, it's, it's this T-Rex and Byron who do the fucking, the, the, the work to make this movie work. Um, so basically, so, so after the fight scene, uh, we get uh, Paul Walker and Denise Richards talking on the phone, and I think now I want to shit on this phone conversation for being like stilted and wooden, but it feels really honest for the actual conversations any of us were having as teenagers with other teenagers, where it's like, "Hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, hanging out. Yeah. Hey, you should come over. What? Yeah, no, you should. You should. What if you did it where you you came over?" Okay, and we cut to Paul Walker, like, pulling the classic, like, climbing the rose trellis and getting up into the window, um, and ex, uh, ex-convict Boyf's friends, one of whom has a very cool nose ring, um, they're in, like, a 90210-style open jeep outside the house going, oh, shit, we should call ex-convict Boyf, who has a ball score to settle with Paul Walker, um, now, what's amazing about this, by the way, is that when Denise Richards is like, yeah, you should come over, Paul Walker pulls out a wrapped condom and gives it a little smooch. <laughs> he just goes like, oh, just boy. Just a laddish peck. Yeah, just like, oh, boy, it's all happening for Paul Walker. Um, what's important here, we cut to Paul Walker getting killed by a lion. Yeah, for no apparent reason, a lion is wandering around Southern California. Is it ever yeah. explained? I think they give us, like, a one-sentence explanation, but really, it's uh, the director of the movie, like, turning to the viewer and going, hello, viewer, it's me, Stuart Raffle. We were able to wrangle for this film not only an animatronic T-Rex, but an actual... One day with an actual lion and his (laughs) trainer. An honest-to-God, except-no-substitutes, maimed, Simba-ass lion who shows up to maul this actor. And by maul this actor... And not no paunchy heptogenarian lion no <laughs> like no. a real spry young lion <laughs> no yeah they didn't get the like long in the tooth wilfred brimley lion they got like a young fella who could show up and and no, what's amazing also is that you can tell that it's the the trained lion going yeah i love to hang out with my friends and have, have, i don't know why i'm here but they they cut can it I please so that... have that steak you're promising me off camera <laughs> They, they, the, the, the lion eats this guy. Now, it doesn't eat him. Now, Quincy, if a lion mauls a person, what do you think that person looks like? Um, meat. I mean, everything I've seen, primates are known to... That woman who had to have the face transplant mm-hmm. had to have that because of a chimpanzee, which is like a 50-pound animal. A chimpanzee is like the size of a large child. A lion is, like, hundreds of pounds. Yeah, like, that was a chimpanzee, like, a a small monkey deciding, you know what, I don't like this face being where it is. I think I should put it somewhere else. 
if a lion decides to punch your ticket, that's it. Like you're you 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 are dead now. But so we cut to Buddy who is in the hospital with like a few little scrapes on his face. We're like, oh no, he's sleeping because a lion decided to <laughs> treat his face like a chew toy. That was the third gorilla attack at that factory this year. <laughs> Yeah, in Southern California, I think if a, a fucking lion decided to, to to pull your card, that was just you dying of natural causes. Like, nobody questions shit. You're in okay, the hospital. But here's like, also the problem is uh, I just watched Tiger King, and the plausibility of a lion being in Southern California is not 0%. Yeah, like some football player who decided to like delve into exotic pets... And the lion just decided to, to maybe, you know, take the weekend for himself, go, you know, sightseeing, maybe chew on a guy. It's more 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 likely than I think and less likely than I assume. Yeah. Um, so this guy's in the hospital and uh, Dr. Wachenstein sh- just sort of like rolls up on the joint and he's like, yeah, I'm Dr. Heinrich von Germanstein. I can do a science. And he, for some reason, gets to be in the room with this kid and also Denise Richards, who I need to point out here, her outfits in this motion picture are fucking incredible. Basically, they just got the costume rack from a Playboy photo shoot and just dressed her in that. It's yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of sparkles, a lot of satin and a lot of fringe. And she's like, oh, no, I'm showing up to mourn my boyfriend who got who what got at by a line. And she's showing up like a Bon Jovi music video. Like it's sparkly and it's dangly and it's fucking incredible. So she's there and Dr. Wachenstein shows up with his bodyguard assistant and he's like trying to pretend like he knows what to do with a medical patient so like, basically he has bribed paul walker's actual doctor in the film to just sell him a comatose body with a brain so like the real doctor's on the take and he's like we have to do this theater to show that we can't save him so we can wheel him back to our lab and steal his brain right they've already uh, made peace with buddy's passing right um and so dr uh, Valkenstein is just like live damn you live and it's just him half-heartedly punching this child in the chest <laughs> and then going i'm sorry he's dead that, that's it there's you can you can clearly see i did my best health punches on this child and he's dead now and there's nothing i can do so as i'm sure you can understand we gotta wheel this child off to my basement i also want to point out that there is a funeral for this kid in this movie and it happens significantly later in the movie yeah, which what? is wild to me the time dilation of this film yeah like okay so what when at that funeral scene do you think they did they have the body of buddy yeah because the goons literally say we gotta stick him back in the morgue so no one knows the wiser because when they put that slice of pizza in his head because oh by the way uh, chopping domes is tough work, so they eat a pizza, and right. one, you know, flippantly lays a slice of za in the open brain pan, <laughs> because I guess paper plates are too much of a bother, or even the fucking top <laughs> of the box. There are so many flat surfaces. Y'all didn't have to put that pizza on this exposed brain. But they do, and staple it back inside, and they're like, ah, it doesn't matter. And then they put that motherfucker back in the morgue. Which also explains later in the movie why the, spoiler alert, the corpse rots. And they show a rotten Paul Walker corpse. It's incredible. Like, when they, so they, they, they put this guy back in the morgue. Did the mortician or the funeral director not maybe pause to go, hey guys, um, quick question, we got this body here. He's got, like, man with the screaming brain style head stitches from where the top of his brain pen was fucking removed and then stitched back. Yeah, with, like, a carpentry staple gun. It's, God, it's so much. Like, when they, when so they... first of all, they use, like, a regular-ass power saw. <laughs> now, and we gotta point out here, the, the effects in this movie, okay... For a movie called Tammy and the T-Rex, which is based around a prop the director happened to have access to, 
it didn't have to, the effects didn't have to go as hard as they do, but they do. And like, what's also wild is the majority of these effe- effects were cut. So the big deal about this movie is Vinegar Syndrome released the legendary what's called the gore cut. So all of the blood and guts in this movie, which has a lot, uh, which made the movie the movie is still MPAA rated PG thirteen, mm-hmm. but the current cut that's on Shutter is not a PG thirteen cut. So don't no. let that trick you no but the fact that they put all of that in there and then we're like ah, i guess we'll cut it all out that's fine is also equally wild yeah like if 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 the gore hadn't been in this i feel like you could have easily done like a double feature with this and like three ninjas yeah like you could have like it would have been nothing like without the gore the gore that that vinegar syndrome, which by the way, I, I feel like we always um, put over vinegar syndrome on this podcast, and but we should. Let's be fair; they earned it because they released a Blu-ray of Tammy and the T Rex in its uncut entirety. Vinegar syndrome is incredible. Like they are honestly, like for me, like they're the gold standard in video weirdos who find these things and are like, "Hey, so you know that movie Tammy and the T Rex?" You want to see a dead body, and just like <laughs> br- bringing out the cut of the movie where you get a full-on brain removal sequence. Now, what's also incredible is you that Doctor Bakken's Paul Walker with half of a head. It's incredible. Like, okay, okay. So when Paul Walker gets the top of his skull taken off, you get Doctor Vakenstein being like, "Hey, look at that exposed brain. Hey, you want to see something funny?" And starts po- like jabbing at portions of the brain to make Paul Walker's dick start flopping around yes, underneath. There's a fucking dick joke right there's there. A, there's a there's a brain removal dick joke scene Can where we Tim also going. Talk about the baby arm that is implied with that joke. Okay, Paul Walker's hog has to be substantial. Also, like, wait a minute. So not only is it making it jump and it's dance like a around. Boom mic under that sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, not only is it dancing around, it is, like, fully erect. Like, it's <laughs> Dr. Vakasi going blah, 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 and, like, poking the brain and hit, making his dick dance. And he's, like, smoking a cigarette while performing brain surgery and going, lol, want to see something funny? It's, listen to me. The, I, I cannot imagine a version of this movie now that is that is the PG-13 version that was okay to be put in video stores. So I kind of want to ask... Who is this for? But I've come to the conclusion it's for it's for us. Yeah, for us specifically. Like this is, <laughs> oh my god, it's so much. So they they take the brain out, and they transplant it into the animatronic T Rex they happen to have lying around at the time, and so they do it, and they're like, well, I wonder if that worked. And you get uh, Isaac from Children of the Corn coming back in to, like, shit-talk the doctor and be like, whatever, you're not even a real science. And it's him, like, mocking the T-Rex, and the T-Rex, which now has the brain and soul of Buddy, decides, hey, fuck you, child of the corn, and, like, bites this child's head off like a gusher. and Just just simply to kill him, because he's not hungry. No, he's he has no stomach because he's animatronic, so he just bites this fucking kid's head off, and it is squishy. It is substantially gory. It's very good. It's so good. Now, so and then wh- the other goon is like, "Hey, come back. We need you." And he stomped flat literally so that in the next scene they peel him up like a fruit roll up and roll him away. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's road pizza. We get a scene before that of the 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 animatronic T-Rex seeing the body of Paul Walker and like mournfully brushing his own face with his little T-Rex hands. I and, got I got don't actual feelings that. from it and I resent that. That he's <laughs> like, "My god, what have I become?" It's him <laughs> touching the T-Rex, like, it's it's touching his own face. It's a lot. But then he picks up a payphone and calls Tammy and can only vocalize with dinosaur grunts because he <laughs> didn't get a human voice box built into him. Also a flaw in the plan. If they're going to put human brains in robots, why not let them talk? Because it's clearly later referred to as, like, 
once this one works, then we'll get the real people made. And it's like, yeah. why not just go that step ahead? But, you know, I don't want to be too critical of the verisimilitude <laughs> in this movie. Of but, Danny and the teenage T-Rex. But the T-Rex, T-Rex calls Tammy and just goes... <laughs> and she's like, what? Who's there? And he's like... And then... So it's it's fucking great. And then so we And then when they meet up and she's like, I don't know who you are, T-Rex, but my boyfriend's gonna be really mad. And he does charades <laughs> with his tiny T-Rex arms to teach her that he is her boyfriend in a T-Rex body. It's me. I have I have Buddy's brain. And it's like, wait, sound and she's like, wait, and honestly, pretty good acting from Denise Richards, where she's like, wait, so you're Sounds like rain, and he's like, "Yes, I'm an animatronic T-Rex brain." And she's like, "Brain?" And he's like, "Yes." And she realizes, like, "Oh my god!" And then she says, "Like, oh my god, you have the brain of Buddy, and it's been transplanted into the body of a mechanical T-Rex." And he's like, "Bingo, got it in one." <laughs> <laughs> um, then we basically, what I love is this film climaxes like so many great films of the '90s. With a large animal in a flatbed truck being driven across the streets of a busy metropolis. Yes. Um, Operation Dumbo Drop, Free Willy, all oh. of the best movies have these scenes. Oh my god, you're exactly right. I hadn't even thought of Operation Dumbo Drop. I mean, that whole movie, which is also... I mean, we could get into a tangent about how a movie about Vietnam and the Viet Cong killing an elephant... Was appropriate for children to watch, but you know uh, what kids should know about the quagmire of war in <laughs> Vietnam. That's a kids and love the a mountain few things. yards. Yes. You know what kids? You... So I also am <laughs> deeply resentful that nowhere in my primary school or college education was I taught about the mountain yards and that aspect of the Vietnam War. I had to learn it from Operation Dumbo Drop. You know what? You can't trust your textbooks because they because they all come from Texas, which is funded by the by one conservative family. What you can depend on is Operation Dumbo Drop to give you the fucking straight dope. Man, so it's a lot. Tammy and the T Rex. So yeah, so so um, it cuts to the end of the, so. There's one scene in here where like uh, Tammy is in the barn with animatronic T Rex, and Byron comes in and he's like, "Hey, uh, you guys decent?" And she's like. Yeah, uh, give me a minute, man. And then the guy comes in, and he's like, what? And she's, like, sort of getting herself straightened up. Like, I th- is it implied that she has boned down an animatronic T-Rex with the brain of her boyfriend? At the very least, they've had a very furious makeout session because it's already established that this T-Rex has the most, uh, most smoochable lips in Hollywood. Oh, man. Now, and that's the thing. Denise Richards' uh, chemistry with this animatronic T-Rex—it's actually pretty palpable. Like there is, yeah, it's it's there's a third cut of this movie that they intended <laughs> to release and didn't. Yeah, and it's it, it, Tammy having fucked a T-Rex, and it's okay. So is Tammy a monster fucker? Yes, one hundred percent. Because so a lo- long story short. The cops shoot this animatronic T-Rex to death, but she is to able... To be fair, it did murder all of the jerk teenagers in an earlier party scene that we forgot to talk about. Oh, man. Now, here's the thing. This party scene is on par to me with the uh, party scene from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, where Freddy Krueger shows up and starts laying waste to a bunch of numbnut teenagers, where it's like hey guys, it's the 1980s and you're all having fun, but I've decided to murder everyone. And it's this animatronic T-Rex being at a party and everyone being like, hey, look at this huge T-Rex. It's the early 90s. And the T-Rex is like, lol, murder. And just like steps on people and bites heads off and just kills so many people. Man, this movie is just so fucking good. Okay, we have to talk about Byron and like the shitty dialogue around him. Oh boy, yeah. So Byron, who is a young gay black man, um, whose whose father is the sheriff. Yeah, that's actually. And there's honest... also a really emotional moment where he's like, "Dad, you can't tell me what to do. My best friend's boyfriend is a T Rex. Leave him the fuck alone." 
Now, actually, and his father's like, son, stop getting wrapped up in all these weird things and go home. You know what? Honestly, for like this being released the same year that Ace Ventura Pet Detective came out and you got the the wild transphobia of that fucking movie. I feel like Tammy and the T-Rex, like Byron has a pretty okay relationship with his police chief dad. Also another tragedy, J.J. Saunders is Sheriff Black, and I just said it out loud and went, damn it, scriptwriters, you couldn't have tried for one more draft. For fuck's sake. Um, this is the last feature film he was in also. Oh, wow. So this was his swan song. But, but really, it's like he went out on top. He's like, I cannot <laughs> recreate the pathos of being a hardworking but concerned father who right. accepts his out gay son but is worried what the goons on the force are gonna think and you know what lets him run all over him i actually love that he's like look my son is fantastically gay in southern california in 1994 he's That's wearing not what I'm a about. tour de france polo with a <laughs> turtleneck under it and a head wrap. Yeah, he's got the head wrap, but it's also like, look, my son is doing his thing, but my coworkers are homophobic as fuck, and they keep making, like, sort of dumb statements like, yeah, be careful if you drop something near him. Don't bend over to pick it up, because he'll fuck ya. Um, And it's Ugh. like that, and also like, look, I'm not worried about my son being gay. I'm worried about my son hanging out with Denise Richards and her T-Rex boyfriend. <laughs> because we do know that this T-Rex has left T-Rex shaped dead bodies where they have like like a giant cookie cutter they have a tridactyl <laughs> footprint stomped into them yeah and what's incredible is also this movie came out a year after Jurassic fucking Park <laughs> like the fact that this director was like look I know that Jurassic Park is still in everybody's hearts and minds but I feel like we could make a movie around this animatronic T-Rex. You know, because we lost too much with all those CGI effects, we gotta take it back to its roots. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the analog T-Rex roots. Now, so the uh, in in a heart-wrenching scene, this, this, this animatronic T-Rex gets shot to death by the homophobic cops behind the police commissioner, or chief. And... So the T-Rex may be dead, but the brain of Paul Walker, able to be salvaged. And so we cut to Denise Richards sort of like coming back to her house and being like, hey, mom and dad, I'm in a great mood. And her mom and dad are like, dude, she's got a human brain in that room up there. Okay, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Please. But we forgot to talk about the um, Huck Finn Tom Sawyer scene in this movie. <laughs> Where Paul Shit. Walker's dinosaur gets to visit his own funeral. It's incredible. Like, he gets to... Yeah, we get we get the funeral way too late in the movie for Buddy. And the T-Rex is like, oh, thanks, guys. Like, from behind a hedge. Because they decide, okay, the T-Rex is untenable. It's not a long-term solution. So we're going to put you back in your body. Right. And then they wait for the funeral to be over to exhume his corpse... Which is literally covered in rats and maggots. And we see Denise Richards being swarmed with buckets of lab rats that they're just dumping on her from off. A PA just has a bucket and then <laughs> just keeps filling it with rats and throwing them at her. It's disgusting. Like, it's there's a. Very yeah. gross. Like, in a movie where the guy that plays Roach from uh, The People Under the Stairs gets his guts ripped out by a T Rex's foot and heads getting chewed off like this is a moment where i'm like all right did, i don't want to see that shit in the sure movie they bought some like piece of meat and just let maggots lay in it and then they laid that on top of a mannequin yeah yeah it's it's a lot so his body is um i would say untenable for retransplanting a human brain into so they go to the morgue, and Denise Richards plays around with being bisexual. There's, it's a lot. Like there's, <laughs> there's smooching corpses. Like there's, they're like, okay, which body will be most appropriate? Also, this movie is more progressive than Ace Ventura because um, 
fucking Byron says, you know, we should really let Michael decide what body he feels most comfortable in. Right. Don't automatically rule out the male body or the female body. Let Michael decide. Yeah, like maybe Michael wants a rockin' set of tits. Maybe Michael, Michael a girl has now. a minute where the T-Rex goes, mm, and holds his tiny little arm to his cheek and then goes, nah, better not. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, as a non-binary person who who has like body dysphoria a lot of the time, Looking at this scene, I was kind of like, you know what? That's the dream, right? It's like, you know what? Just unscrew my fucking idiot brain and put it in different people. Maybe I want to try out something else. Maybe I want to be somebody else. I don't know. Um, and it, so they eventually decide on a thing. Now, we fast forward to Denise Richards uh, getting to go up into her room and be like, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to go up on a date with my boyfriend. And they're like... I am uncomfortable. This is weird, and I'm not going to ask too many questions. And she goes into her room, and sitting Which in is her also room... also the perfect encapsulation of uh, the exennial and millennial parenting style. <laughs> if there's anything that <laughs> speaks to the way my parents handled my teenage years, it's, that makes me uncomfortable, so I'm just not going to talk about it at all. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, like, because what do you even say to this? Like, my daughter is hanging out in her room with a brain in a jar. Um, but the brain in a jar is ho uh, hooked up to a 1994 MS-DOS-ass computer with the voice of Paul Walker. So I'm glad... And just a camcorder. Not even, like, I guess because webcams weren't a thing. Just a regular old point-and-shoot... VHS, load of VHS in the side, camcorder with the lens cap hanging off because Denise, Tammy needs privacy sometimes. Transhumanist icon Denise Richards. Yeah, like she's willing to accept, like, look, this brain in a jar hooked up to a camcorder that runs on MS-DOS is my boyfriend and I love him. <laughs> and so she's like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, yeah, we're having a hot hot and sexy date and she's like yeah and she like does a sexy strip tease for a camcorder hooked up to a brain which um, is so sexy the brain catches on fire but so okay are, are, are we to assume that the brain catching on fire was this brain achieving climax yeah the brain comes yeah <laughs> brain come and yeah the brain comes and it's like yeah, and that's that's the note we end this movie on. Is and a then the very '90s SoCal grunge soundtrack. Now the soundtrack on this movie is also I have downloaded this soundtrack because it's like it's a lot of sort of faith no more like early '90s funk metal. It's it's fucking great. The soundtrack is great. So now we come to the portion of the show where we have to rank this movie. Oh boy. All right. Okay. All right. So the so for this movie is All right. So is this a good movie? No. Is this a great movie? Yes. Okay. So we have to talk about what makes a horror movie a good horror movie. What is it that we love about these films? I would say, for me, like, with this movie, it's a total lack of self-consciousness where it's like, look, this is a movie that we were making up as we went along. It's Denise Richards' boyfriend is an animatronic T-Rex, and she loves him. Yeah, so I think what makes a movie a good movie or in this in this whole uh, project is mm -hmm. a lack of irony, just sincerity, yeah. pathos... Um, like a real examine examination of the human conditioning and ingenuity in terms of special effects. Absolutely. Like it's now, and, and for me, like this is one of the reasons that like anytime that anybody's doing like, yeah, we're doing a postmodern self-conscious imitation of horror. I feel like we drop that to the bottom of the list of them immediately because listen, take that shit to the mall. I'm tired of disaffected like, now, and, and not to say that Tammy and the T-Rex is, like, emotional verite. Like, it's not... It's a ridiculous movie about a mechanical T-Rex that is dating Denise Richards. 
But for me, it's like, this movie is not on par with, like, latter-day trauma movies, where it's like, we're making a bad movie for the sake of making a bad movie. Like, there's something, there are moments of genuine pathos in this movie? And weirdly progressive politics. And Okay, so, yeah. hear me out. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was made on a shoestring budget, was made with passion, examines the full range of human emotion. It's a really good movie. And that's at number one on our list of, of movies. Tammy and the T-Rex has all of those things, but also the most expressive Tyrannosaurus Rex I've ever seen <laughs> on celluloid. Yeah. Honestly, the T-Rex gr- like moaning into a payphone versus Leatherface like making terrified squealing noises in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not as far off as we might think. So that's why I would argue Taming the T-Rex should be number one on this list. <laughs> yeah, so honestly, all right, so where... Hmm. Okay, so looking at the list I'm right now... I'm not joking. I think it might be the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> are, okay, are we going to put Tammy and the T-Rex at number one on this list above the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Debate me, Ryan. Debate me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I I hate myself for doing this. But I feel like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre has a level of craft from the from Toby from Toby Hooper that I don't know that I can give Tammy the T Rex for like authorial voice and like going for actual horror. Like this is this is not a good movie with a satisfying character arc. Yes, but. The, the character arc is definitely lacking in Taming the T-Rex that it is not in um, it's not in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right, because like Sally in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like her that last shot of the movie, like there like I, I I hate to I hate to do this, but I feel like it's not I feel like Tammy and the T-Rex is not in the top tier of the movies on this list. <laughs> now here's the thing about it though. Stuart mm-hmm. Raffle directed Mac and Me. He did do Mac and Me and also Alright, so here's here's what I'm thinking. Right underneath the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 at number 49. I feel like Which, this is... to be fair, that's very tonally similar to this movie. Oh, yeah, where it's just like, look, this is shit the bed crazy. This is, like, we are, we are going as big as we possibly can within the constraints that we have. I feel like I am comfortable putting Tammy and the T-Rex above George Romero's Day of the Dead, which was a meditation on Cold War paranoia taking place in the early 80s after, the, after Dawn of the Dead. But below the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2's Gonzo Insanity, I feel I can live like with that. Yeah, I feel good about putting Tammy and the T Rex at number fifty. What do you think? I think that's a very good new number fifty. It's it's <laughs> just a very good split on the list. Ryan, how many yeah. how many movies are on this list now? We are at this will be the four hundred and fifty sixth movie we have ranked and done on this podcast. All right, so I feel pretty good about that. So out of the 457 movies we have ranked on this podcast, I feel good about Tammy and the T-Rex, parentheses, Tammy and the Teenage T-Rex, at number 50 on our list. The hour that we've spent, you owe it to yourself to seek this movie out, because the hour that we have spent talking about it does this movie no justice whatsoever? Yeah, like we, you know, we 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 can talk about this movie, but also it's it's sort of the ineffable like Jungian experience of watching this movie. Like it's 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 like a dream sequence that you get to be there for. So yeah, if you have Shutter or if you can order this movie from Vinegar Syndrome, it's yeah, well, and, well and worth. Just to get on my soapbox a little bit about physical media, um, Vinegar Syndrome is 
especially um, run by the the fine folks at Vinegar Syndrome have a brick and mortar store in Connecticut called the Archive, and they have had to shutter that because of all of the um, shelter in place orders. Mm-hmm. So I believe their online store is still open. If you've got some extra money and you want to give, put your cash where it's actually benefiting human beings and not giant corporations, it's really a mom and pop operation. And they are doing, they are putting the work in to find movies like Tammy and the T-Rex and then giving them the most ineffably good treatment on on video possible yeah uh, so uh, honestly if you sh- throw them 25 bucks for taming the t-rex uh that would be a good way to use your money if, but you know y'all do what you want to do yeah braver than any u.s marine vinegar vinegar syndrome so uh, <laughs> quincy where uh where can our listeners find us on the internet we are on twitter at rank and Valcast. We are on Tumblr, uh, Rank and Vile. We're on Instagram, Rank and Vile. We have a Cosme where if you know the link and find us on the right day, you can watch movies along with us. I've been trying to tweet those links out on our Twitter, so please follow us there if you want that information. We have a Discord with a very lively community. Uh, If you want to reach out to us to maybe do some cross-promotion or if you have a film you want us to take care of, uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. If you have a movie request, we were going to get to some tonight, but turns out Taming the T-Rex is too good. Um, Just throw that in our ask box on Tumblr. Um, Ryan, talk about our um, how you can listen to the show. Well, if you want to listen to us, we are on uh, iTunes. We are on um, Spotify. We are on Last FM. We are on so many different platforms. Um, if you like what we do uh, with uh, talking about, for example, Tammy and, and the goddamned T Rex, um, and you know you you sort of appreciate uh, any of it, like uh, consider going on iTunes and giving us a five star review. And maybe adding a comment about, or not, not even a comment. Like honestly, it would help us. Like the rating itself would help us to get uh, Rank and Vile out there to more listeners. And also for those of you who have done the rating, we appreciate you so much, guys, listeners, all of you out there. We love you, and we love doing this podcast, and we appreciate you so much. And, and thank you for doing everything that you do uh, with uh, with us. Um, but barring that, uh, that is that is about all I got. You got anything else? Um, we also have a Patreon, um, patreon.com slash rankandvile. And speaking of not really deserving the kindness of our fans, um, your donations have helped us upgrade our audio equipment. It helps to pay for the show, which is a regular reoccurring cost. Um, it helps us mail you all nice things. Um, and uh, thank you all uh, for doing that. That's really cool. Of you. You're the real MVPs. Uh, But that is about all I got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.